Hello and welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 58. Today I will be talking about the case of Christy Hall and whether or not it was a murder or a tragic drowning accident. My sources for today's episode include an episode of Dateline Season 20, Episode 4, titled Someone Was Watching, LosAngeles.CBSLocal.com, Patch.com, RedlandDailyFacts.com, Legal.com, and PE.com. As usual, all of my sources will be linked in the show notes. This is a tragedy on top of a tragedy now. It happened so quickly. Their parents in the backyard spa. Their mom in trouble. My dad just panicked. A sudden slip. A fatal fall. You're losing your mother. Right. You're watching her go right in front of you. Someone else was watching her too. A curious neighbor just moments before witnessed something astonishing. Christy met Blair Christopher Hall, or Chris as he was referred as, met in 1978. Chris had gone to visit a relative at the Air Force Base near San Bernardino, California, and had met a security guard that, in her opinion, looked a lot like Elvis. The two hit it off and fell in love. Christy was 17 and Chris was 20 when they got married. They then had three daughters together, Courtney, Brianna, and Ashton. Christy worked as an x-ray technician at a clinic, Chris had worked as a San Bernardino police officer for several years until he was shot on duty. He had also been the police chief of two towns in Idaho. By 2005, Chris and Christy purchased a brand new home in Cala Mesa, California. The house needed to be remodeled, and Courtney was still living at home with her parents at the time. While the bathroom and shower were being remodeled, they would rinse off in their pool in the backyard before the contractors arrived at the home each morning around 6.45 a.m., and that's exactly what they were doing on June 7, 2007. Chris woke up first that morning. He went in the backyard to turn on the outdoor spa, as they called it. He then called his daughter, Brianna, who was away at college in San Diego. Here's your wake-up call, babe. <laughs> Get out and go on that run. Back at the house, Courtney dozed through her first wake-up. After attempting to wake Courtney up, he went back outside and then went back inside to try to wake Courtney up again. Courtney recalled getting up at 6.37 a.m. She then heard her dad scream. She ran outside and found Chris pulling Christy out of the water. Courtney called 911. It was she who dialed 911 as she and her father struggled to lift her mother out of the spa. Christy was unconscious. The first responders arrived at 6.46 a.m. Courtney had been doing CPR as she said Chris was too stunned to do anything. The first responders had to move Chris because he wouldn't leave Christy's side. After about 20 minutes, Christy was rushed to the hospital where she was pronounced dead. Courtney called her sister Brianna and told her that something had happened. She said, there was an accident. You need to just, you know, come home right away. Instead of being taken to the hospital, Chris and Courtney were both taken to the police station for questioning. Chris had calmed down at this point, but he had no idea that he would be accused of killing his wife or that someone had been watching next door. Happy to help, he said. Whatever would get him back home to comfort his daughters as quickly as possible. A woman named Lindsay Patterson had been on leave from the Navy and had been visiting her mom, Sharon Lopez. Sharon was the neighbor of the Hall family. 
Lindsay said when she woke up that morning at 6 a.m., she went to the bathroom that faced the street, and when she heard a noise, it sounded like a woman screaming. It was a horrible scream. It was just something was wrong kind of scream. Lindsay said she had gone outside to tell her mom, but her mom told her to leave it alone and that it was probably kids playing in the pool. Lindsay said she couldn't let it go and walked over to the six-inch brick wall between the two homes. Lindsay stepped on a planter and looked over. his hand, one hand on top of a woman's head, and then one hand on her back, and she was face down in the water. Lindsay saw what looked like a possible sex act in the pool, but she looked again because she felt as if the situation wasn't right. Lindsay told Keith that she had only seen Chris, but she looked over a third time, and Chris was getting out of the tub and had a weird look on his face. Lindsay said it was like he had gone into a different world. Lindsay called 911 and had actually called before Chris, Courtney had called 911. 911, It's kind of hard to hear, but Lindsay said on the 911 call that she thinks a woman was killed. While Chris was being questioned at the police station, his daughters wondered why it was taking so long. At this point, it was later into the evening, and Chris contacted them and told them that the police thought he had hurt Christy. The interrogation soon changed. They told Chris that Christy had injuries on her body, including a large laceration to her head. Chris also had injuries on his body, and his DNA was found under his wife's nails. Chris Hall was arrested that evening and charged with murder. The three girls stood by their dad's side. They said their parents were happy and in love, and they said Christy had even told them how happy she was shortly before her death. Chris spent about two months in jail. Courtney was in charge of the finances, and the girls used their mom's life insurance payouts to bond their dad out of jail. It was a $1 million bond, and Chris went home to wait for his trial. Steve Harmon and Paul Gretsch were Chris's defense team. They said there was nothing violent in Chris and Christie's 29-year marriage. The defense looked into Lindsay's eyewitness account. She had said that she had only seen three separate 90-second snapshots that day of what happened. The defense said there was no way she could have seen everything. She saw three snapshots? What is missed by everyone is the wife getting into the jacuzzi, slipping, falling into the jacuzzi, hitting her head, going unconscious, and drowning. The defense also said that Lindsay could have heard another neighbor scream as she had been in the part of her mom's home facing away from the halls. Lindsay admitted that she didn't see everything, but from what she saw, it didn't sit right with her. Burke Stronsky was the prosecutor in this case. On the surface... Uh, looks like a loving family man. He looks like a good father. He's uh, somebody that had the support of his family. So he did. But Stronsky wasn't buying the loving father and family man bit. No, when he heard about Chris Hall's very obvious grief, the wailing that went on after the so-called accident, the phrase that crossed his mind was, it's an act. Stronsky searched through Chris's past as a police officer. He said Chris had a past of fabricating stories. Seven years earlier, while Chris was a police chief in Cascade, Idaho, he was charged and convicted of misuse of public money. He spent 10 months in jail for taking $19,000. At trial, Lindsay was the star witness for the prosecution. Lindsay did change her story a bit. She claimed she had been watching for longer than those 90 seconds. However, Stronsky said she was credible because she had called 911 even before she knew what had actually happened to Christy and about a, one and a half minutes before Courtney called 911. Dr. Mark McCormick, the Riverside Medical Examiner, testified about Christy's injuries. He noticed a three-inch laceration on Christy's head and a bruising 
to her face and body and potechial hemorrhaging in the whites of her eyes. He said from the injuries, Christie's cause of death was drowning, but not accidental drowning. There was also a clump of hair wrapped in a hair clip that couldn't have happened if it was an accidental fall. Strunsky said Chris was overcome with fury that day and that he had a hidden violent side. Chris Hall ambushed his wife, grabbed her by the hair, slammed her head twice into the concrete edge. Uh, he's holding his wife of almost three decades under uh, the water, showing absolutely no mercy, no remorse, and an absolute desire to end her life. The defense said that it was an accidental fall and that there was no sign of violence in the marriage. The jury deliberated for two days after a six-day trial. They couldn't come to a decision, so the judge declared a mistrial. The Hall daughters were stunned. They thought their dad would be found not guilty. Strunsky was determined to convict Chris. He dug deeper into the marriage. He also learned from a former friend of Chris's from Idaho that Chris was quite the con man. The friend, Jerry Winkle, said that Chris had confessed to him after a night of drinking that he had shot himself while on duty. Strunsky also discovered that Christie had a brief affair while Chris was in jail in Idaho. He believed Chris had, could have discovered this as Christie had been on the phone with this man in the days leading up to her death. Strunsky spoke to several of Christie's co-workers who claimed that Christie was contemplating a divorce and that she hadn't been her usual cheerful self. At Chris's second trial in May 2011, the judge threw out a t the testimony of Jerry Winkle and the information about the affair. The prosecution hired a water expert named Andrea Zephris from the Dutchess County Medical Examiner's Office in New York, who was an expert in water deaths. Andrea went to the hall home and got into the pool while Strunsky videotaped from Lindsay's point of view. The conclusion was that Andrea couldn't have been seen from the viewpoint, which explained why Lindsay couldn't see Christy at all. She also examined Christy's injuries and determined that the injuries couldn't have been from the accidental drowning. The defense also did their own experiment. They took photos of two people in the water. They said the two had never been touching at all and didn't know why Lindsay had told the police that she had seen what looked like a sex act at first. The final expert for the defense was another medical examiner named Dr. Frank E. Sheridan of the San Bernardino Medical Examiner's Office. He said that injuries on Christie could have been from an accidental drowning. He also went to the hall home to examine the spa and said it was dangerous as it had sharp corners. He said that Christy had been standing, slipped, and fell. He said the petechial hemorrhaging had occurred from Christy dying face down. The jury was also invited to go to the hall home to see the spa. The jury then deliberated for two days and broke for the long Memorial Day weekend. When they arrived back after break on Tuesday morning, they found Chris guilty of first-degree murder. He was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. He's being cuffed and potentially put away for life. And yeah, it hurts. And we are angry about that. The case completely divided the Hall family. There were some that believed Chris was not guilty, including his daughters and two of Christie's siblings. And there were several, including Christie's other brother, Billy Carlton, that believed Chris was guilty. He had even written a letter asking the judge to give Chris the maximum sentence. The girls are devastated that their father is behind bars and that their mom is gone. It's a devastating reality. It really is. Especially for a family that, you know, to say that we are close is an understatement, you know. To go from that to being not able to be there with each other. It's, uh, 
It's the greatest heartbreak that anyone can ever experience, I think. I can see it from both sides. This case does seem very circumstantial. However, Chris did have injuries on himself, and his DNA was found under Christie's nails. How do you explain that? I also think it's strange that there was a wad of hair in the pool. I've fallen before and have never ripped a clump of hair like that. There are many strange coincidences, and I believe that the jury did make the right decision. My book recommendation for this week is The Party at Number 12 by Carrie Wilkinson. Summary. Hannah smiles at her guests in this grand house rented especially for the evening. Everyone admires the sparkling chandelier and raises a glass to say goodbye before Hannah moves away from this little town for good. But the next day, one of them lies cold and lifeless in their bed. The day of her leaving party, Hannah Ford is nervous. With so many secrets and lies over the years between her friends and arguments between her sisters, is it really a good idea to gather everyone together? But as her mother insists that after Hannah's divorce and job struggles, she deserves a send-off to remember. So they all plaster on fake smiles and put aside their rifts for an evening celebration. In the morning, one of the guests is found dead. Hannah is desperate to tell the police, but every single guest has something to hide or someone to protect. The group insists they deal with this. They will deal with this themselves. After all, must it, it must have been an accident, perhaps too much wine on a night where emotions were running high. But what if it wasn't? And what if this was just the first victim? A normal party turns wild and someone ends up dead. It kept me guessing until the twist is revealed. I also liked most of the characters. They weren't too predictable, and this book kept my attention. I give this book an 8 out of 10. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode, and I'd love to know what you think. Please subscribe to my blog, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, buy me a coffee, rate and review, and I'd also love to know what cases you'd like me to cover. I'll be back next week with an all-new case and book recommendation. And remember, it's crime o'clock somewhere.